Hallelujah. Father, we love you. We glorify you this morning. We're so thankful to come here today to worship you, Father. We're thankful for your word this morning, Father God. We're thankful for Jesus today. The plan that you have for each and every one of us that includes salvation and so many great and wonderful blessings from heaven. Father, thank you for touching hearts this morning, for ministering to lives today, for helping us and drawing us closer to you this morning. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. You may be seated. Praise the Lord. It's good to be in the house of God, isn't it? Amen. Praise God. Well, welcome, welcome to Family Church Fredonia. Uh, as Edwin, our announcer, mentioned earlier, my name is Scott. I don't know if he said that, but I'm the associate pastor here. Uh, and Pastor Michael and Pastor Nancy, our senior pastors, are out this week. They are receiving from Pastor Michael's spiritual supply out in California at World Harvest Church with Pastor Nancy Dufresne. They have uh, their Holy Ghost meetings this week, and so I'm so thankful they get to go out there and receive from that because then they get to bring what they get home to us, right? As a kid, it's always good when mom and dad go grocery shopping because you know that it's going to be stocked when they get home, and so that's what they're doing. They're bringing some stuff home to us, but uh, they asked me to fill in today, and I'm so grateful for the opportunity, and uh, we'll just get what the Word says this morning. We'll be blessed by it in this place. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. If we have any kids this morning that uh, need to go down to Children's Church, you guys can head downstairs now to your program. Praise the Lord. You know, I I was listening to Edwin's testimony in my office there, and of course, you know, it's an amazing example of what happens when you do the Word. My favorite part of it, though, is how Edwin said he's going to give all of us money after service. (laughs) Did you hear that? Because he said, I'll show you what a Holy Ghost handshake is. I think he meant we were going to give him money, but I'm, I like the other way around, right? So I hope that you got a big handshake the other night because you got a lot of hands that are going to be expecting here afterwards. That was my first thought. When I, oh, glory to God. He's got money for me today. Praise the Lord. Praise God. Well, if you have your Bibles, turn with me to Mark chapter 4 this morning. Mark chapter 4. You know, we should all have testimonies like that all the time, all the time. I'm not speaking that you're going to have stuff stolen from you every week, but we should all be in a position when something bad happens to us, we know how to respond with what the Word of God says because we've been taught it, right? And then we put it into practice, and then we see the fruit of it in our lives afterwards. Praise the Lord. Praise God. Uh, Let's see. We're going to go to Mark chapter 4, and we're going to start in verse 3 this morning. This is Jesus talking. He said, Hearken, behold, there there went out a sower to sow, And it came to pass as he sowed, some fell by the wayside, and the fowls, or the birds of the air, came and devoured it up. Some fell on stony ground where it had not much earth, and immediately it sprang up because it had no depth of earth. But when the sun was up, it was scorched because it had no root. It withered away, and some fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked it, and it yielded no fruit. And other fell on good ground, and it did yield fruit that sprang up and increased and brought forth some thirty, some sixty, and some hundred. So we see Jesus here telling what we call the parable of the soil, the parable of the ground. And we're going to look at that parable this morning. We know that Jesus talked in parables to explain biblical principles, biblical truths that would make it easy for us to understand. And so uh, just like you know, we do when we get up here and give an example that makes it sound like something we can relate to, that's what Jesus is doing here to those that he's teaching. Thankfully, he also uh, explains what he was saying to the disciples afterwards. They asked him, you know, they said, Jesus, we understand, you know, you talk in parables to the crowds, but can you explain to us what you meant by this? And thankfully, Jesus did. 
Amen. When, when we have something we have a question about in service, ask Jesus to explain it to you. The Holy Ghost is our helper. He'll help us understand what's been taught to us so that it makes sense to us, so that it can apply to us and help change our lives. Amen. So he goes on here in verse 14, and Jesus says, The sower sows the word, and these are they by the wayside where the word is sown. When they have heard, Satan comes immediately, takes away the word which was sown in their hearts. And these are they likewise which are sown on stony ground, who when they have heard the word, immediately they receive it with gladness. But it has no root in themselves, and so endure for a while, for a time. Afterward, when affliction or persecution arises for the word's sake, immediately they're offended. And these are they which are sown among thorns, such as hear the word, and the cares of this world, the deceitfulness of riches, and the lusts of other things entering in, choke the world, choke the word, and it becomes unfruitful. And these are they which are sown on good ground, such as hear the word and receive it, and bring forth fruit, some thirtyfold, some sixty, and some a hundred. So we're going to look at this parable this morning. We're going to go through it. We're not going to get through the whole thing today. Uh, I'll be here next Sunday as well. And so we'll finish it then. We're going to get through uh, as many of these grounds as we can today because I know there's some things on my heart that I want to share next week and I want to make sure I have time to. But we'll just, uh, we'll believe God to get out everything that we need, that he needs to say this morning, right? Amen. So we see in the beginning, Jesus said, the sower sows the word. So the word is seed. Hebrews 4.12 in the Amplified Version, you don't have to turn there, but it says this. It says, the word is alive and full of power. We know this, that regular seeds, natural seeds, they have life in them. And if they're planted the right way, if they're cared for the right way, that seed will grow, that life inside of that will grow, and it should produce a harvest of something. Whether it's just a plant, a flower, you know, something that you can eat, something that you can have a harvest on and actually feed yourself from. All seeds have a purpose to grow into something. This verse is telling us here that the word of God is seed, just like natural seed is. And when we take those seeds and we plant them in our hearts, that they'll go forth and produce a harvest. So we know, you know, and I know we're going through this quick, we're mostly family here today, you know what the word says about this stuff, but, you know, 1 Peter 2.24 says, by his stripes I have been healed. According to that verse, I should be able to walk in divine health every day of my life. Never be sick a day in my life. I can confess that, just like Pastor Michael's been saying, I can speak that and expect it to come to pass because the word of God says it. What is that verse? 1 Peter 2.24 is a seed. And if I take that seed and I plant it in my heart, it'll produce a harvest of health in my life. Philippians 4.19, my God shall supply all my needs according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. I take that seed, I plant it in my heart, I can expect a provision of harvest, a harvest of provision in my life. And you can go through all these scriptures that we know to stand on, right? In Philippians about peace. And you can just go down the list for your marriages and for our relationships and in our workplace and in our love walk and everything that we believe God for, we have a promise on, we plant that, it'll produce a harvest in our life. The seed is there in order to produce that harvest. And we could say it like this, every child of God has access to these harvests in their life. But... We know this, not every child of God is seeing those harvests in their life. Once we're a born-again believer, every single promise that's in this book right here, every single promise in here belongs to every single one of us. But I'd be a liar if I stood up here and said that every single one of us is seeing it, right? Not, not just in the body of Christ as a whole, but even in our local church here. Because I know I've faced stuff before where it just didn't seem to work. 
something didn't, you know, they said it should go this way, it didn't go that way. Well, why isn't it working? Well, Jesus tells us why right here in these verses. And we ought to be confident enough in our walk with the Lord to be able to ask why. Because I don't know about you, but I don't like when something should work a certain way and it doesn't work. When my pastor says that my words should do something and I'm using my words the way I'm supposed to be using them and I'm not seeing that something come to pass, well, I get frustrated by that. Because he said it, the Bible says it, why isn't it working, right? If you went to the feed store and you bought a bunch of seed from there and you took it home and you planted it and you cared for it the way it was supposed to be and it didn't produce a harvest, there's something wrong with the seed, naturally. Well, we know this, there's nothing wrong with the seed. The Bible is Jesus. It's perfect. The Bible's infallible. So that means that there's got to be a problem somewhere else. And he tells us, there's more to do with me if I'm not seeing a harvest of something in my life. It's not the word that's not producing the harvest, it's the ground that it's being planted in. That's why Jesus shares this parable with us so that we can take a look at the ground that it's being planted in and make sure that it's prepared right for what it's gonna receive. Because we want that seed to grow, right? We know that the ground is our heart, and in every scenario here that we see that ground, the seed was planted in different types of ground, but if that ground isn't conditioned to receive it, it's not going to produce a harvest. You know, up at Pastor Michael's house, um, I, I used to serve up there every weekend and, uh, you know, go up and help with things around the property. And, you know, when we go up there for our reunion every year, you see that beautiful row of trees as you start to come in. And those, those trees, those Christmas trees are getting real big out there. But I remember when I was with him out there on his tractor and we planted every single one of those. And I learned a lot when we did that because, of course, I'd never planted much of anything in my life before. But uh, the soil up, up, up there on the hill and where all of his, you know, the fruit trees out there are, that it's very clay-based soil. And forgive me if you're an expert in farming. I am not. So I'm just trying to remember and Google. That's all I got for you today. <laughs> but because of that, there was a special type of fertilizer that we had to get in order to prepare that clay soil to receive the, the plantings that were going to go in it. Otherwise, we could plant them. You could water them and take care of them. But if you don't prepare the soil right, it's all for nothing. It's all for nothing. And so because of that, though, that took extra time. It took extra investment to do it. We had to learn first, okay, what kind of soil is this? Is this the right kind of soil that when I plant this, it's going to grow? If it's not, what do I need to do to make it the right kind of soil? And that's what we're going to look at in, in, in this two-week message. That's all it is. It's two parts. But we're going to look in these two parts at what Jesus said here, and we're going to look at the soil of our hearts and see what it is. See if we need some kind of fertilizer in there, if there's stuff in there. Because I'll tell you, nobody's got perfect soil, right? Not yet anyways, till Jesus comes back. But we can. we can. We can purpose to get closer to that. And so we're going to see what kind of fertilizer we all need. You came to church to get fertilizer this morning. You didn't even know it, but that's why we're here. So the first type of ground we're going to look at actually isn't even mentioned here. Uh, Jesus didn't say this in these verses here, but he's revealed it through revelation, uh, through various ministers. We've heard this taught, the sower sows the word. And then it goes on, these are they by the wayside where the word is sown. But there's a type of ground, there's a type here that's not even mentioned, and it's the ground that doesn't even receive the seed that's sowed. What do we mean when we say that? That means, folks, that, you know, if we're saying the word of God is the seed, the seed is sown, we come to church to receive that word. These are folks that don't even have a church to go to. 
They've never heard the word preached. They've never had that seed even put on the ground of their heart to even start to be able to produce a harvest. So you could say there's five types of ground. There's the ground that's not even getting any seed put on it at all. Thankfully, that's none of us here today. But if we look at that, it'll help us understand some things about the world. It'll help us understand some things about our role in what we do with our seed. Many can't produce a harvest of the word because they aren't receiving it to begin with, and we receive that in the local church. Uh, If you can put up Matthew 9, verse 36, in the Amplified Version, it says this, When he saw the throngs, he was moved with pity and sympathy for them because they were bewildered, harassed, and distressed, and dejected, and helpless, like sheep without a shepherd. You know, every human in America anyways, every person in America, because we live in a prosperous country, they can go, they can find a store somewhere nearby that sells vegetable seeds. Really, I mean, we know this, of course, we live in an agricultural area, but I'm sure even if you go into a city, folks are growing more and more of their own stuff now, you know, on their, on the the, the balconies of their apartments in the big cities, wherever. And so wherever you go, you don't have to look that far to be able to find vegetable seed. But how many of us in this place are actually harvesting vegetables routinely. I'm not, and I would dare say the majority of us are not. Thankfully, we have some farmers here today. Thank God for you, because then the rest of us can enjoy the fruits of your labor. Thank you for that. But most of us don't actually plant any of that stuff to be able to harvest it. Every Christian has access to the promises in the Word of God. Every Christian has access to those harvests. Once you're a child of God, healing belongs to you. You don't have to try to, you don't have to work for it. Healing belongs to us. Once I'm a child of God, provision and peace belong to me. They should go with me because that's part of who I am as a child of God. But there's a whole lot of children of God out there that don't experience those things because they're not getting the seeds from the seed store. They're not getting the seeds so that they can plant it and have it produce a harvest in their life. So I'm so thankful that number one, we can go to a church freely and come and receive the word of God. But number two, we can go to a place that sells me every kind of vegetable that's imaginable. Because there's some other, you know, you can go to a store that, you know, maybe you go and you're, 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 you're in need of green beans for a recipe. And so you go and you say, you know, I need, I need some green beans for Thanksgiving. This is September. I need some green bean seeds. And you go and they say, well, you know, green beans aren't for today. We don't sell those anymore. So you leave there without the thing that you need. Well, there's a lot of churches that say certain things like healing, like miracles, aren't for today. So those seeds that should be producing a harvest in someone's life, they're not producing that harvest because the place isn't even selling it to begin with. Amen? And so some of this stuff, looking at where people are are missing it, is that they're not even receiving this stuff to begin with. There are promises in the word, but unless we're here to receive them, unless we're in a local church that teaches the word of God, that teaches the promises of God so that those seeds can be planted in our heart to produce a harvest, we're not going to have that harvest in our life. Uh, you know, this week, there was, a, of course, something that happened, and most of you probably know about it by now. It's kind of old news at this point, but uh, a week ago, you know, and I, I know you're thinking this is going to be real deep. This is football, okay? This is, not, this is not super, remember, this is me, not Pastor Michael up here this morning, okay? <laughs> Let's just bring it up a little bit for a second here. This is a carnal example, but there's some truths in this that I think will bless us. This week in football, 
something really kind of awful and incredible happened. There was a football player, a Buffalo Bills player, who last Monday night at their game, uh, his name was DeMar, or is DeMar Hamlin, uh, he went into cardiac arrest on the football field during the game in Monday night football. His heart was stopped for at least nine minutes maybe longer before they got it restarted. And they had you know, team uh, physicians out there actually giving him CPR on the field. There was an AED to resuscitate him out on the field there. You know, I was watching it with my son Joshua, and of course, a lot of people watched it or watched replays of it. It was a scary thing to see, because it's certainly not something that you expect, first of all. And then, you know, you've seen all these grown men out there crying like babies. It, it moves you. It moves me, anyway. I know I'm a fairly sentimental guy anyways, but, you know, today, though, so throughout the week, he, you know, he had cardiac arrest. They rushed him to the hospital. They stopped the game and everything, put him in a medically induced coma. He was slowly brought out of that coma. And today, this is Sunday, almost a week later, he's awake now. He's talking. He's laughing. He's tweeting. So you know he's better. That's a full sign, right? He's got the breathing tube out. I mean, it was a miraculous recovery, absolutely miraculous recovery. People uh, in our nation around the world, they came together. Uh, People were praying together. You know, even last night there was a football game on, and when it opened up, you've got, you know, probably hundreds of guys out there that normally would have nothing to do with proclaiming faith. Everyone dropped to their knees and prayed together. At this game itself, the coach of the Buffalo Bills, he's a Christian man, he got out there and said, you know, we're going to gather, we're going to pray in Jesus' name for that man. And on national television, He prayed in the name of Jesus for that man. And all over the nation this week, that's been happening. People on TV have been proclaiming Jesus Christ as the healers. You know, you see all these Christians coming out of the closet, uh, you could say, that are now not afraid to say, you know, they were hidden for a while, but one man, you know, in front of all of his anchors, he said, I'm just going to pray right here, right now, and dropped his head on a liberal television network and started praying to Jesus that he would heal him. I mean, amazing things were coming to pass because of it. God can take something awful like that and turn it around for his glory. Turn it around. And he's doing that now. He's doing that. There's going to be greater and greater testimonies coming out of that. But I wanted to say all that to get to this because I was listening to one talk show host. uh, And he said this. I'm not going to name names. But he said this. He said, my wife and one of my co-hosts are deeply religious people. And I am not. And it made me a little envious in that moment the moment that, you know, the guy dies on the field and they're wondering if he's going to make it out. In that moment and since then, that I didn't have that foundation because I feel like at times like this, when there's an inexplicable tragedy, you're sort of flailing about. And he went on to say some more things, but we see here the fruit of someone's life who's never had the seed planted. When, when, When turmoil arose, how did people respond to it? People that had the seed planted in their hearts rose up in faith according to what the word of God says, prayed for that man according. And of course, you know, not everybody believes exactly like we do, but they believe God is good and they believe that God's a healer. Some of them believe God can heal. Some of them believe God will heal. But wherever it is, that man's up and walking today because of the prayers of people. Amen. And, you know, you see the fruit of someone like this who doesn't have that. There's billions of people. You realize we're in the majority, in the minority as Christians, right? There are less Christians in the world than there are other religions. That means that in this parable here, the majority of those people have never heard the seed planted. 
They've never had the opportunity for that seed to be planted in their heart before. So of course it's not going to produce fruit in their lives. We can't look at the lost and dying world and wondering why they don't have the fruit of what the world says. They've never had the seed planted for them. And here's a man who says, I needed that. What they had, I needed. They had a harvest of peace. They had a harvest to fall back on right now that I don't have, and it hurts, and he noticed it. And my goodness, I hope someone preached to him Jesus after he said that and told them that this is what it's for. You can think we're crazy the rest of the time, but when the rubber meets the road, I'm not flailing right now. I'm not lost and confused right now. I'm not broken and falling apart because I can stand on something stronger. We can stand on the word of God. And we see there, you know, you look deeper at this. That's why the lost attacked Christians, attack Christians. Think of it this way. You know, you look back, you study human natural history. Over and over again, wars were started. There's a whole lot of different reasons wars get started. But one of the main causes is, of course, financial inequality, hunger. There's a starving part of the population. There's a part of the population that's hoarding all the food for themselves. And they're sitting there. Remember, it was Marie Antoinette, let them eat cake, right? Of course, she didn't really say that. We know that's a historical antidote. But here's Marie Antoinette, a representation of the upper class in uh, early 18, or late 18th century France. And all the starving people outside are eating moldy bread if they're getting any food at all. And of course, France's elite are inside and they're dining on the great things. And they say, you know, Marie, this is awful out here, these conditions. Oh, let them eat cake. And of course, that's supposedly the phrase that led to the French Revolution. That's not historically accurate. So don't leave here thinking that. We're going to make each other naturally smarter here today, too. She didn't actually say that. But the principle is there. When there are a group of starving people, they're going to look at the haves from the place of the have-not and get angry with them. That's why the world hates believers. Because we are the haves, folks. We have the promises. We have the harvest. In the midst of a lost and dying world, we have the light, the Bible says. And so when they look at you, when they look at you with those eyes, when they look at you with, you know, you could say those, that, that liberal look, right? And I say that. We're not splitting people into liberals or conservatives. That's garbage. That's trash. According to God, there's only three groups of people. There's believers, Jews, and the rest of the world. Everybody else is man-made. So throw, I just said that because that's a term that everybody relates to today. But, you know, in the reality of it, there are folks out there who are suffering, who are lost because they don't have the harvest in their life. And we're eating all of it and keeping it to ourselves. As believers, when we have that harvest in our life, there's a purpose for it. That purpose is to take that and share that with them. Right Now, of course, we know this too. What's that old, that old proverb? It's not in the Bible proverbs, but it's a proverb. Feed a man a fish and he eats for a day. Teach a man to fish and he eats for his life. Right? Fine. But at least let him know what the fish tastes like. Right? When you've got the fruit of these things in our lives, we have a responsibility to share that with the, with the starving, with those that don't know what the word says. How do we do that? We live the harvest that the Bible promised to us. And then when they say, I need that, like this co-host said this week, I need that in my life. Well, let me introduce you to it. Let me take you to the feed store so that they can get the seed for themselves, plant that in their hearts, and it can produce a harvest in their life. Amen. That's the first type of not ground, those that don't even hear these things in the first place. The second ground, the first one that Jesus mentions here is in verse 15, Mark 4:15, And it says, And these are they by the wayside where the word is sown, 
When they have heard, Satan comes immediately and takes away the word which was sown in their hearts. So according to Jesus, not me, according to Jesus, one out of four believers fit into this category. That means one in every four people in this very room fits into that category. This is a group of believers, isn't it? We're not exempt from what Jesus said. Last I checked. Now, how many know we can take this, we can look at our soil, and we can fix it afterwards? So don't think I'm sentencing you to a life of this kind of dirt, right? But that can say all of us at some point or another in our spiritual walk have been this type of dirt, have been the wayside dirt. Because it says, Jesus said, one in four are going to be this way. You know, you think about this whole section of scripture here. Jesus breaks it down. So of those that receive the word, there's four types. Wayside, stony, thorny, and good, right? So of when Jesus, when the word is preached to us, one quarter of those people, one in four, 25%, are actually what Jesus would call good ground. And in that good ground, only 33% of that goes on to produce the fullness of what the Bible says. You know, we look and we wonder, why don't I see these things more? Why don't I see these things? We're seeing exactly what Jesus said. Exactly what he said. But how many know we can purpose to be the good ground? Amen? We can break the mold. We don't have to be sentenced to a life in the 25%. We can go higher than that. Because that's where he has for us to walk in the hundredfold. But we see here this type of ground, the wayside ground. The seed wasn't even really planted in it. It was tossed away without any care. Give you this example again. Say I go to the feed store. You know, we've got tractor supply here. I go and get a pack of seeds for green beans. And every week I go and I get some more packets of green beans. Every single week I show up religiously like I'm supposed to to get my green beans. But I get home and I take that packet of green beans, I toss it on the counter, and I go sit and watch football for eight hours. Well, how many of you know, after a certain amount of time, when it's time to harvest some green beans, and other people that I see every week at the feed store are having their green beans, and I'm sitting there with nothing, it's not anybody else's fault but my own. Because I took that seed and I threw it away. I didn't do anything with it. There's a lot of folks that treat the church so religiously. They come, they check it off, they got what they needed for that week, and they go home and forget the whole thing ever happened. It can't produce fruit in our lives. There's, no, there's nothing for it to be planted in in order to be able to produce a harvest. A bag of seeds in the garage is nothing but a bag of seeds in the garage. Coming to church to check it off that we went there is nothing but coming to church to check it off that we went there. I mean, no, we receive seeds, we receive promises, we, we're taught promises in the Word of God so that we can take them, plant them, and they produce a harvest in our life. We come to get the Word, and we have a responsibility to plant that Word in our hearts. Psalm 119.11, we'll have this up on the screens for you. says, Thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. Other translations call that word treasure. I hid it in my heart like treasure. It, it insinuates it has been buried or planted. And if we aren't willing to take the time to plant it, it can be taken away before it has the chance to produce anything in our lives. Joshua 1.8 says, This book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth, means you never stop saying it, but you shall meditate therein day and night, that you may observe to do all that is written therein. For then you shall make your way prosperous, and then you shall have good success. The end of those, your way prosperous, good success, those are harvests of a seed that's been planted. But we have to take that seed and plant it. You know, you've heard me say this before. When Pastor Michael ministers, you know, and I'm, 
I'm not standing up here as a display of perfection to you because there have been times that I have not been able to do this. But when Friday comes around, if somebody asks you, what did your pastor teach on on Sunday? Can you remember like that? Can we? If we can't, that that seed's not planted very deep at all. It's not planted deep enough to produce a harvest. If I'm planting what I've received in church, I ought to be going over those scriptures every day. I ought to be, if it was important enough for the mailman from heaven to deliver it to me personally, I ought to be going back and revisiting that again and again. Too many people pre- treat to church. We're, called, we're told that this is a place we come to get our mail, right? To get messages from heaven delivered right to us. Well, how many know this isn't the place you come to get junk mail? You treat junk mail differently than you treat that big old check that you get, right? That check, you hold on to it. Ooh, you get excited that you got that thing. You, you, know, you, you write it down, you sign it, leave it in your diaper bag in the car. <laughs> <laughs> the unlocked car in the middle of Dunker. No, I'm just... <laughs> <laughs> wow, I got a hanky way. I don't know if I can count that. I'm going <laughs> to... No, you get excited when you get a check in the mail. You treat it differently than you treat the junk mail, right? When we come to church, we come here to receive our mail, our delivery from heaven. It's not junk mail, but a lot of times folks treat it that way. They get home, toss it in the garbage. I don't need that. Toss it in the garbage. Give it to the kids to make them think that they're important, right? And then they go and run off with it. Oh, I brought my kids to church. I'm doing a good job as a parent. Are you teaching your kid the word? Are you showing them what the word of God says? Are you living the word in the house? Otherwise, you're just feeding them junk mail. That's all it is, and making them think that it's something important, then they get up and wonder why they don't know how to pay their bills. Praise the Lord. When we come here, you know, I I purposed this early on, and I know I've shared this before, but it it helped me. Maybe it'll help you. Every week when my pastor preaches, sometimes, especially as a young believer, and sometimes as an older believer, you hear the message and you think, my goodness, that's daunting. That's a whole lot that's required of me, you know, especially when you have a pastor that preaches consecration, that preaches, I'm so thankful he does. God wants us to live higher. But sometimes those things are hard on our flesh, on our souls, on our minds. Some things, those things are hard. But if we purpose, I would purpose as a young believer, I'm going to take one thing out of this message. The whole thing may trip me up, I might choke on it, but I'm going to cut it into a bite-sized piece and I'm going to take that one thing and I'm just going to chew on that one thing and try that one thing and put it into practice in my life. How many know you'll grow that way, right? You're going to choke on a whole piece of steak, but if you cut it up into bite-sized pieces and chew on them for a while, that steak's going to bless you. Amen? When we come to church, when we hear the word of God, it's to be planted in us. We're to receive it in such a way that it produces a harvest in our life, not just take it hope and flippantly toss it to the wayside. Amen? We go back to the message over and over and over again. When our pastor teaches on faith and on words, are we going back to that? Are we saying, because there's a reason that we receive the seed that we receive. You know, I don't, again, I apologize, farmers, please don't stone me, but you know, when there are certain seasons that you plant certain things, right? How many of you know when you go to the feed store, you know, uh, Linda used to work at Tractor Supply. If I were to go and buy seeds from Linda at Tractor Supply, if I need to have something that's going to be harvested, corn gets harvested in summer. Am I right? Farmers, yes. Okay. All right. Corn gets harvested in summer. I'm not going to plant corn in, when do you plant corn? Somebody help me. Spring. Okay. I'm not going to go and plant it in November, right? 
So if I go to a feed store and that feed person sells me corn in November, well, they're selling me bad seed. That's not a good thing to do. But when we come to church, God knows when we're going to need a harvest of something later on. He's going to sell us, he's going to give us the seeds that we need to harvest at such a point in our life that if we'll plant them when we get them, the harvest will be there when we need it for that season. There's been times where, you know, I've heard the word of God preached and, you know, I think, gosh, I don't need this right now, but my pastor's preaching it. He's on it. He's on it. He's on it. And he goes over it again and again. Okay, well, this must be seed that I need. And so you plant it in your heart. And then when it starts to harvest, that's when you need it in your life. But if we wait until we need it to plant it, it's too late. So we start to plant these things, get in the habit of practicing, of planting them as soon as we get it, so that when Satan comes immediately to take it away, there's nothing for him to take away. Praise the Lord. Turn with me to Luke chapter 5. Luke chapter 5. We'll see this in the Word of God. Satan comes immediately to take away the fruit of what's been planted. How does he come? He comes in our thought life while you're turning there. You know, uh, during church, you can be hit with thoughts of that'll never work for me. Pastor's preaching on that again. You know, it didn't work last time. It's not going to work this time. But what about this? And all those thoughts will start to come at us sometimes while the word of God is being preached. I remember growing up, one of the biggest lies I was ever told is that Satan can't hurt you if you're in church. I mean, you know, in pop culture, that's like a big thing, right? There is absolutely zero truth in that. I don't know about you, I sometimes get attacked more in that seat than I do anywhere else because I'm hearing the word of God preached. And Satan is doing exactly what Jesus said, that as soon as that word hits my ears, he's in the other one barking at me why that's not good enough for me, why that's not true, why I can't receive that thing. And if we'll listen to that ear instead of this one, it's going to produce a harvest of that in our lives. I've been in church services before where I had to sit there and the whole service, no, no, in the name of Jesus. No, I rebuke that in the name of Jesus. Under my breath, the whole service. Why? Because that word that I was receiving needed to land in here and the enemy knew that that would help me. So he was trying to take it out before it could produce a fruit in my life. But if we don't recognize that, he's going to take it. That's why so many people fall prey to the wayside category because they just think these thoughts that are coming are their own. They're not our own. The Bible says that we're to take these thoughts and put them into captivity of the word of God. Jesus did that here in Luke chapter 5, verse 17. It came to pass on a certain day as he was teaching, there were Pharisees and doctors of the law sitting by, which were come out of every town of Galilee and Judea and Jerusalem, and the power of the Lord was present to heal them. And behold, men brought in a bed a man which was taken with a palsy, and they sought means to bring him in and lay him before him. When they could not find by what way they might bring him in because of the multitude, they went upon the housetop and let him down through the tiling with his couch into the midst before Jesus. And when he saw their faith, he said unto him, Man, thy sins are forgiven thee. We don't have time to talk about what a great example of faith this is. Some folks, my goodness, some folks, their toe hurts and they don't come to church because of it. This guy is paralyzed and he gets his friends around him to lower him through the roof. My, what? Phew, right? Get off your keister and get to church. That's what, that's what I learned from these scriptures here. But, you know, whatever, you do you. I want, I want what he wanted. And so Jesus says to him, man, thy sins are forgiven thee. And when he says this, 
he's planting a seed that would produce a harvest of healing in this man's life. I don't believe Jesus was done talking when he said that because he hadn't actually said you're healed yet, but he was starting to go down this road of laying the seed out so that it could produce a harvest, right? But something happened. Immediately, just like Jesus said he would, Satan came to steal the seed that Jesus was trying to plant in this man's life. How did he do it? It says, verse 21, the scribes and the Pharisees began to reason, saying, who is this which speaks blasphemies? Who can forgive sins but God alone? It's doubt and unbelief. It's doubt and unbelief, barking in the ear of someone that's trying to receive from Jesus. That'll happen to us in church. That'll happen to us out on the streets. You know, when you go out and someone there is in need of healing and you want to lay hands on them, that thought will come to you. Oh, you're not a pastor. You're not a minister. You can't do that. Who says you can't do that? Bible God says that if I'm a child of God, I can do that. Lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. That's not reserved for the fivefold ministry. That's reserved for each and every one of us as children of God. Amen. Don't look at me like I'm crazy. That's what the Bible says. We ought to be laying hands on people. They ought to be walking up. That's why we were given these hands to go out and minister that and bring them in here. Amen. Praise the Lord. But we see that those thoughts started coming. As soon as Jesus was trying to plant a seed, the thoughts came to rip that harvest away. But what did Jesus do? He took those thoughts. He said, stop right there. This is what the word says. That's what we ought to do when those thoughts come. It says, but when Jesus perceived their thoughts, he answering them said to them, what, why do you reason in your hearts whether it's easier to say thy sins be forgiven you or to rise up and walk, but that you may know that the Son of Man has power on the earth to forgive sins. And he said to the sick of the palsy, I say unto you, arise, take up your couch, go into your house. And immediately he rose up, took up, took up that whereon he lay and departed into his own house, glorifying God. They were all amazed and they glorified God and were filled with fear, saying we've seen strange things this day. When those thoughts come to rip up the seed, we answer them and bring them into line with what the word of God says. Jesus Christ, John 1, says that he was the word himself. So when those thoughts came immediately, like he said they would, to rip up that seed that was starting to be planted, he said, no, you don't. I'm speaking this. That's how we have to respond when something comes to rip up our harvest. When those thoughts come after service, well, I know pastor said this, but... Well, I know that so-and-so testified this, but no, no. You just say it with your mouth. No, just like Jesus did. And then you tell it what the word of God says. Bring it into line, 2 Corinthians 10.5. Can you put that up there? Casting down imaginations in every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. That's what those thoughts are doing. They're exalting themselves. They're saying, look over here at us. They're trying to distract you from what the word of God says, from what's truth. We stay focused on what the word says and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. And that's what Jesus was doing there with those Pharisees that they were trying to bring doubt and unbelief. And he says, no, you don't. We're focused here. This is what I'm doing. This is what's going to come to pass. And then it did. That's how it'll work in our lives as well. Praise the Lord. Uh, let's see. Let's go back to Mark chapter 4. Mark chapter 4. You know, you can already see this starting to happen too in after that, that miracle that took place, like I said, with Damar Hamlin, the, the Buffalo Bill. You know, originally, everyone was all completely united, completely together on this front. But now that it's done, now that he's healed, now that this 
It is a miracle for someone to not breathe for nine minutes and walk away without brain damage. You know, that is a mir that does not happen. Thank God that he's given us modern medicine, taught it, you know. Where do you think man got the wisdom for CPR? It wasn't the devil. The devil doesn't care about saving lives. It was God that gave that wisdom to mankind, that gave the, you know, the, the, uh, the engineering for an AED, you know, a defibrillator that can restart your heart with electricity. It wasn't the enemy that did that. Every good and perfect thing is from God. People's lives have been saved because of those things. Where do you think that stuff comes from? But when people look at this situation, and now that it's done, now that the dust is settling, immediately Satan is coming to try and steal that and say, oh, it wasn't a miracle. That's just medicine. That's just science. No, that's God. That's God. And as a believer, we have a responsibility. And I, I hope and I pray that every single one of those people that was bold enough to come out and pray for him this week is bold enough to say now still that it was a miracle that they don't hide and, and, and shrink back into the closet because God can use something like this for his glory. Amen? Praise the Lord. All right, last part here. We'll close with the stony ground, Mark 4, and verse 17. These are they likewise which are sown on stony ground, who when they have heard the word, immediately they receive it with gladness and have no root in themselves, and so endure, but for a time afterward, when affliction or persecution arises for the word's sake, immediately they are offended. So this ground, at least it got the seed planted a little bit deeper in the ground, but it was the condition of the ground that made it not grow. The other ground, it didn't get planted at all. This one, it does get planted, but the condition that it was planted in uh, made it not actually produce fruit in their life. First thing we see here is how did they plant it? This matters. It says that it was planted with gladness. Now, I believe that you can't go further than this type of ground. These, these grounds build on each other, right? Once you take care of the stones, okay, now we got to take care of the thorns, and now we're conditioning ourselves to be good, better, best ground. But as we go down this list, this first step here to even get it in the ground says immediately they received it with gladness. How we receive the word of God in church matters towards it producing fruit in our lives. Amen? There's a reason, you know, we're not just known as a church where people say and shout amen just for the fun of it. There's a reason that we do that. It's to get our hearts connected with what's being preached and prepare our ground for that seed to be planted in it. I know in, in my own life, I've seen this in practice. I don't need anyone in the congregation to shout back at me. It doesn't help me in the least. Is it fun when we all get and in, in join in one, one thing together? Sure, but if you sat there stone-faced, folks, I have preached to a Baptist congregation in a retirement home. You, there is nothing you can throw at me worse than what I've been through before. But even in that, I didn't need their help. Why? I can get myself stirred up over the word of God. I don't need anybody's help to do it. Is it nice when we all join in together? Sure it is, because it shows me that you're receiving, right? When I'm, when I'm sitting out there and I'm pulling on my pastor, of course it helps the flow of the service. It shows God that I'm interested in what he has to say. But uh, there's a reason, though, that God has us to do these things. It's not to help the preacher. It's to help us. It's to help us. There was a time where I was in church, I was going through a storm in my life, I was going through hell, maybe you've heard me share this before, and I didn't even realize it, but my face, your face, I know this is going to come, do you want me to turn my back to you when I say this? Our faces are indicative of how we feel. Boom, revelation, right? 
what is on our face shows what's on the inside of us. I know some of you now are getting real big smiles on your face because you're, you're aware of it now. But, you know, <laughs> my goodness. There was a time where I was going through hell in my life. And man, I thought I was faking it real good. And Pastor Michael, I'll just say, he pointed out to me that I was not faking it very well. I'll, I'll spare you the gritty details of it. But it was, it was correction, but I was so grateful for that correction. You know, he told me in, in, in different words, but basically my face in service was miserable looking, okay? And it sounds, you know, it almost sounds harsh to say it. And at first, you know, my feathers were ruffled because I'm going through hell and you tell me my face doesn't look right? You know, like, <laughs> where's my hug? And, <laughs> and I got, you know, I got all... <laughs> pet the cat backwards, whatever the saying is you want to, I almost said something else I shouldn't, but you know, I was, I was not thrilled with that. But I'm a doer of the word. I've seen the word work too many times for me to not do what's, been, what's said to me. I don't care if it's hard. I don't care if it's uncomfortable. Remember Naaman? He was upset that he had to go wash in the river to get healed from leprosy. He was upset. Who cares? If that's what you need, go and do it. So when we come to church and we receive correction for ourselves, who cares if it rubs us the wrong way? Do it so that we can have the fruit of it, right? Well, he said this to me. Pastor Michael said this to me. And, uh, you know, at first I was... <laughs> but I got right because I know better than to live in a fence. I got too much stuff I'm believing for to spend any time over there in a fenceville. There's nothing over there for me. And so that next service... I'll tell you what, I put that smile on my face, it's thick. Edwin, stand up, turn around and smile at everybody. It was smaller than that. It made that look like a crying shame. I mean, I had this big old fake, fake grin on my face. And I'm sure that Pastor Michael knew it was fake. And thank God he didn't call me out for being a smart butt in the middle of everything. But, but I will tell you from the bottom of my heart, I was not faking it to be snarky. I was faking it because I know that when I step out in faith in the natural, it'll be there in the spiritual to receive it. And you know something? I went into that service. I went in offended. I went in with that fake smile on my face. And I focused the whole time on, amen, pastor. Yeah, pastor. Preach it, pastor. But by the end of that service, I received more than I'd received in the last year. Because I was receiving it with joy. It was fake joy at first, but real joy rose up. And thank God I'm getting the word of God in me, and that's my help. We can't go anywhere. We can't until you take that ground. If you've ever gone to plant something, you know, a tree or whatever, and the ground is so hard, you, you try to throw seed on that ground, nothing's going to happen to it. What do you do? You till it. You work it. You get something in there so that you can actually have something to put the seed in. When we, when we amen, when we smile, when we receive the word of God, it's so that that seed that's planted can produce a harvest in our lives. Amen? So if you're up here and you see me and act like I'm faking it, I'm, just know I love the word of God, right? Maybe I am, but you don't need to know about it. Praise the Lord. Later on, it says here that they were offended Immediately, they were offended. That word offend means to desert or distrust one whom they ought to trust. You know, if we don't trust that seed that's been planted, there's no root that it's producing in our lives. I've seen this in folks' life over and over again. There's, there's a whole lot here, but I'll just say it like this. Stony ground, in a lot of times, is when the seed gets planted 
up here and not in here. I can quote scripture. You can quote scripture till the cows come home. You can go through, go ahead, if you want, with your little old brain and memorize the whole New Testament. But if it's only up here and you don't know the fruit behind what those words actually mean in our spirit, it's for nothing. It's for nothing. I would rather have revelation of one scripture in my heart than quote the entire Bible in my head. Because this is where it produces fruit. Up here on the surface of the ground is where the enemy can come and steal and take it away. Folks, I've been with people on their deathbeds who were quoting scripture. It's not the literally, literally dying and died quoting scripture because it was up here. It wasn't in here. And that ought to be sobering to us because that means that we can come here, just coming here to receive the word of God isn't the same as planting it in our hearts to produce a harvest in our life. A lot of times folks go and they'll shop for the seeds, bring them home. That's not the same as planting it so that it can produce something, right? Oh, goodness. There's so much here. Okay. Um, Let's close with this. Luke chapter 22. Luke 22. Aren't you thankful for the word? Amen. A lot of commentaries, a lot of scholars, they equate the stony ground with an unconsecrated ground, an unconsecrated heart. You know, ground that has a lot of stones in it, especially, you know, there's different types of stones. You can get gravelly ground, you can get big ground, but wherever it comes from, it's because of a history, natural history that's made that ground that way. Whether one day a river flowed over that, you know, you study out geography, geology, geology, one of the geos, you, not, not geo that's not here today. He's, anyways, uh, you study that out, there's reasons that the ground has those stones it has. Our hearts are conditioned the way they are because of how our lives have been up to a certain point. Someone may be prone to fear, and so they're afraid to stand on the word of God for a certain thing because that's how they've been. That's a stone for them, that fear. Someone else, maybe they didn't have struggles. They were brought up silver spoon. Pride could be their stone. That could be why their, stone, their ground is stony. Either way, we have to condition and take that stone out of the ground so that the seed can produce harvest in that ground. But that takes time. You know, again, last time I'm going to say this, farmers forgive me. I'll say, you know, there's father forgive me, farmers forgive me. That's, there's different ways, to my understanding, according to the great and mighty Google, that you can fix stony ground. The easiest way is to just get fresh dirt and put it over top of what's there. Well, that's easy, but you're not solving the problem, right? You're not actually taking care of the situation. And I'm not looking at any farmers because I don't want them to shake their head and look at me like I'm crazy, but... The, the other way is to actually take the time, the labor, and that's what it takes is time and labor to get in there and remove the stones. It's not an easy task. Even with heavy machinery, it takes time to do it. And then with heavy machinery, you can't get to some of the smaller stones. You need fine tooth combs to be able to get that stuff out. Well, in our hearts, there's stuff in all of us. There are stones in each and every one of our hearts, and if we're not willing to take the time to remove those, They're going to be there and they're going to keep things from coming to harvest in our lives for each and every one of us. How do we do that? Through consecration, worship, and prayer. Just spending time with him. When we spend time with him, remember Moses in the Old Testament, he spent time with the Lord. When he came down, his face shone. He looked like he'd spent time with the Lord. Our hearts will look more like God's heart if we'll spend more time with him. Amen. Luke 22, 55. This is talking about Peter. 
Good old Peter. I love Peter. It says, They took him and led him, brought him to the high priest's house. This is Jesus. And Peter followed afar off. When they'd kindled a fire in the midst of the hall, they were set down together, and Peter sat down among them. But a certain maid beheld him as he sat by the fire and earnestly looked upon him and said, This man was also with him. And he denied him, saying, Woman, I don't know him. After a while, another saw him and said, Thou art also one of them. And Peter, Man, I am not. And about the space of an hour, another confidently affirmed, saying of a truth, this fellow also was with him, for he is a Galilean. And Peter said, man, I know not what you sayest. And immediately while he yet spake, the rooster crowed, and the Lord turned and looked upon Peter. And Peter remembered the word of the Lord and how he had said to him before the rooster crows, you shall deny me three times. And Peter went out and wept bitterly. Peter had the seed planted in his heart, but when persecution arose, he crumbled because of it. He fell because persecution arose. And we've all been there before, where the storm rises up to steal that seed, and we didn't respond right. We didn't have the right answer to it. We know how to respond. We're taught how to respond according to the word, but we, I'll, I'll be the first to raise my hand. I have been there where I responded wrong when that happened. But we see what Peter did. Afterwards, it says that he wept bitterly. You read, you study it out. He went and he repented from the bottom of his heart to the Lord for missing it. In every, every different commentary, every translation, that's what, that was his place of rededication to the Lord, of coming back to him after he had really stepped away in that moment and denied him. After that, you, you see Peter's life. We see the fruit of it in the word of God. You read through the book of Acts. This man, how could he be used so mightily? Because he knew God. He'd taken time after that to, to fellowship with the Lord, to pray, to commune with him. And we see fruit of his prayer life, not just in his epistles that he wrote, but in the book of Acts. And you study that out. He spent time with the Lord. He knew God deeply. He, he removed those stones from the ground of his heart so that the seed planted in it could produce a harvest that we all get to benefit from today. Amen. So whatever the stones are, that are in our hearts, whatever the condition of our heart, whether we're wayside, you know, at least we're here, we're receiving the word, but how many know we want that word to produce a harvest, right? We don't want to hear it and be one of those that it just doesn't work for. No, it'll work for everybody if we'll do what it says, if we'll work it, amen? So come back next week. Again, I know it's me, Pastor Michael and Pastor Nancy are out uh, next week. You know, they'll be... Um, finishing up the conference this week out there in San Diego area. But uh, next week, come hear the word of God. We'll look at the last two types of ground, the thorny ground, the good ground. And there's some things in there I believe the Holy Ghost wants to help us with. Praise the Lord. Let's pray. Father, thank you. Thank you so much for your word this morning. We're so grateful, Father, for every promise in it. Lord, we know that the promises that are in your word of God are there, that they could produce a harvest in our lives, Father. And Lord, we thank you for those seeds that have been planted in our hearts this morning. And we ask you, Father, to, to help us be aware of those seeds that have been planted so that they can make sure that they produce harvest in our life. Holy Ghost, you're our helper. Every week as we come to church here and we hear Pastor Michael or Pastor Nancy or myself or a guest minister, whoever's up here, as we hear that word preached, bring to our remembrance those words throughout the week so that we can keep them planted and hidden in our heart so that we may have good success and our way might be prosperous in this life. With heads bowed and eyes closed, I want to give an invitation here this morning. I believe we're all family here today, but just in case or for those on live stream, one word, one seed that could be planted in your heart is the seed of salvation. 
For many of us, it's already produced a harvest in our life, but the Bible says in John 3.16 that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son so that whoever believes in him should never perish but have everlasting life. The Bible says that if we believe in our heart, confess with our mouth that Jesus is the son of God, we shall be saved. What do those verses represent? Those are a seed of salvation. They'll produce a harvest of salvation in the life of those that's willing to plant them in their heart. <clears throat> All we have to do to do that, the Bible says, is believe in our heart, confess with our mouth that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. What is salvation? <clears throat> for one, it's a ticket to heaven for all eternity. That's great because the alternative is hell and none of us want to go there. None of us want any of our loved ones to go there. It's a horrible place and it's real, but the Bible says we can avoid that by having Jesus in our hearts. So if you're here this morning, you need to make Jesus the Lord of your life, or you've stepped away from him and you want to come home, go ahead and raise your hand here today. You want to run back to Jesus if you've walked away from him. Praise the Lord. I don't see any hands here. If you're on live stream, uh, it's simple to do this. You can have that salvation fruit in your life just like many of us have here. All you have to do is believe in your heart that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. He died on the cross so that you could be saved. You say those words to him. You thank him for doing that for you. And you're born again. Simple as that. And if you do that, send the church a message. Our contact information is there. We'd love to help you get started uh, in your walk with the Lord. Praise God. You can lift your head, open your eyes. We've been helped by the word this morning, haven't we? Praise the Lord. So, um, Again, next week, 10 a.m., we'll be right back here. Uh, we have Tuesday starting up later this month. Youth group starts this week on Friday night, 6.30. So if you are a youth or if you know folks that are youth-aged, uh, send, send their kids down. That's fifth grade to 10th grade. Uh, otherwise, you are loved and you are dismissed. <laughs>